when we go to West Palm Beach, we don't source from Tampa, right? We source as close to the stadium as possible where they're performing. So it's really allowed me to see that aggregation and distribution of local products on a smaller scale is a significant problem currently. I'm Delia Colon, and this is The Zest. Citrus, seafood, Spanish flavor, and southern charm. The Zest celebrates cuisine and community in the Sunshine State. Today's guest is a Pasco County resident who was inspired by the Dave Matthews Band to start her family's mobile produce business. What? That sounds like a Mad Lib, but it's not. We'll get the whole story coming up. Today, I'm chatting with Pasco County resident Nicole Doobie, who was inspired by a 2019 Dave Matthews Band concert in Tampa to start her family's mobile produce business. It led to a career change, and Doobie's Mobile Market is still going strong today in Pasco County and the surrounding areas. You heard me right. Dave Matthews Band was the inspiration for all of it. You know DMB for their 90s and early 2000s hits like Crash Into Me, Gray Street, What Would You Say? I recently chatted with Nicole, so of course I had to get the whole DMB backstory. In our conversation, she also explains the importance of eating local food for all of us, celebrities or mere mortals, and she offers tips for getting kids to eat their veggies. What we did is actually found the markets that didn't have produce and really tried to target those to help bring produce to our community. In 2019, I attended a community garden conference and I heard a problem where community gardens are typically grant funded and to generate revenue is really tough. So I had this idea of like, could I buy excess from community markets or community gardens, I should say, and then bring it to the community, kind of be like the middleman. Um, and from that, I actually got on an email chain and found out that the Dave Matthews Band was coming to Tampa and they needed to source local food. And everybody, it was really tough. A lot of people just didn't understand the aggregation and distribution side. They had some extra, but no one could put the pieces together to actually get it to the chef. So I just went on a a leap of faith and we weren't even a business. And I said, I'm just going to try to figure out how we can get this food to the Dave Matthews band, because if they're looking for local food here in Florida, I know we have it, even though it's July, how do we get it? So from that actually opened up a huge door to a problem we have with local aggregation and distribution for smaller growers. So growers that maybe are growing on like five or 10 acres or even less than that. How do we get those items to the consumer. So then we developed kind of going right into the community and selling products. Um, We source local first, and then we kind of supplement a little bit here and there to just provide a large variety, make us a desirable shopping location. What a story. I mean, I have a lot of problems I'm trying to solve, but getting local produce to Dave Matthews has never been one of them. First of all, I wonder if I was at that concert because I did go a few years ago. My friend Nikel had an extra ticket. How did you solve that problem for the Dave Matthews band? So I just kept reaching out to people I had met in this journey of learning more about community gardens and local food and our local food system. So I had already a network of farmers that I was getting food from for my family. And I just started reaching out. We worked with Sweetwater Organic and they were kind of like a hub for some of the coalition of community gardens. So 
we had like mint from one farm and then we had kohlrabi from another hydroponic lettuce from another. So we also sourced meat and seafood. So we sourced from about seven or eight local growers. And now we still have that contract. So three years later, we're still delivering to them every time they come to Tampa. And we actually are blessed to be able to do their Jacksonville and West Palm Beach locations as well. And what we did is when we go to West Palm Beach, we don't source from Tampa, right? We source as close to the stadium as possible where they're performing. So it's really allowed me to see that aggregation and distribution of local products on a smaller scale is a significant problem currently. So it's been a puzzle that we've been trying to solve ever since. Wow. What a great story. So it sounds like you were already into this. I mean, you were attending a conference about food sustainability or something, and then you were... It was a coalition of community gardens. So my daughter was going into elementary school and they were trying to start a community garden and they didn't have a parent volunteer. So I got some education from the master gardening program with the University of Florida. It's a six week program. You kind of pay with by volunteering. So that's how I kind of started to get connected. I never grew any food and I wanted to learn how here in Florida. It was something that I always found people that had gardens or growing food just seemed more connected. And I was like, this is something I think I want to do. So I purchased two and a half acres of land to turn into a food forest, but that has like shifted because of the business. Amazing. So you already (laughs) were on the train of understanding the value of eating local and growing your own food. And then it does kind of sound like something that a celebrity would do. When I come to town, I only want to eat food that was sourced within a certain radius or whatever. But how do you actually get that food? You say you you get the excess from local growers, but is this you driving all over town and picking it up? Do they bring it to you? (laughs) You're nodding. So like I mentioned, so Sweetwater was kind of like a hub, but we also picked up from five other locations. So I do. I drive around. I do what's called aggregate. So I pull from multiple locations and I do that weekly with our market too. So we all, we kind of, I have, you know, a farmer that will reach out and say, Hey, Nicole, I have a hundred pounds of onions. Can you use them? You know, or I have a few um, certified organic farms that we work with to provide that to the community and they're smaller growers. Um, So any week we can source between three and five local farms. And then we do use the plant city wholesale market to kind of get to know some of the larger farms that maybe are bringing like a whole truckload of cucumbers from Waimama. So now we have kind of those connections as well to fill in the gaps. And at first I was like, I'm just going to source all direct, go right to the farms. But being a small business, unfortunately, that's really tough. So that Plant City location is kind of nice because you get to know who are your local growers and the larger scale and who will always have products. So it's been a nice balance to supplement with that as well. So you're sort of flipping fruits and vegetables yeah yeah that'll be an hgtv show one day (laughs) (laughs) and you know the other side of it what it allowed me to do from a business standpoint is really know where the gaps are so i want to grow food on my property and i want other people to start growing some food as well right so the goal is to actually build farms in addition to building communities what we've done is kind of learned the demand. And now I can go to people I meet that are interested in maybe doing this as a business and say, well, this is our growth plan. If you can grow this, I'll buy it from you. So we just recently did that with a microgreens grower. 
they're actually purchased a building that turned into a hydroponic growth facility for lettuce and cucumbers so we can actually grow year round. So they now have an outlet. They don't have to worry about where's all this product going to go. And then we actually can get product grown within five miles from Wesley Chapel, which has been difficult for us. That's cool because I don't think of Wesley Chapel as farmland. Correct. And Pasco County used to be really known for agriculture, but as I've learned, it's mainly been cattle and forestry. So with over a half a million people in our county, really learning that there is a gap in the actual growing of food, which just impacts our food security and then our food sovereignty, right? So we're not sustainable as a county getting our own food because we're not growing enough. So how can I just make an impact even to grow a little bit more um, so we can get it local? Why is local so important? Why is it important to have food sovereignty? Well, a variety of different reasons. One, I'm going to start with, it just tastes better um, and it's more nutrient dense. But the idea of knowing where your food comes from, who grew your food, it just is something that we've kind of lost, I feel like, as a culture. It became important to me because the idea of knowing who's doing this, and I want to support them directly, right? So even if I'm just driving to spend $20 to support a small local grower to encourage them to grow more, it just became something that was near and dear to my heart and made me happy. So it's like, hey, it's a win-win. But food sovereignty is really important because we saw what happened when the supply chain started to break. So my background is in corporate big box retail. Just to see how quick a supply chain can actually break if we're not getting it local was intriguing to me and a problem I just kind of wanted to jump in and see if I can help solve that. In addition, when you have food sovereignty, you should have more food security. And we have significant food insecurity issues in Pasco and then also in Florida. So I sit on a few boards. Um, I'm on the Food Policy Advisory Council and then also sat in um, with the Tampa Bay Network to End Hunger just to learn more about this problem. And as a citizen, I didn't know how bad it was until I started getting involved in the schools and then involved in some of these policy councils. What do you do if the excess food that you took on doesn't sell? I hate having like that bag of kale in the drawer that I just can't use up fast enough. It's kind of stressful. So now you've got other people giving you their excess. And then what happens if you have excess? So sometimes we can't take the excess, like everybody grows kale. So I like that as an example. However, what we do is we, there's a few things that we do. So the first one is we try to sell it direct to the consumer through our markets or home delivery. Then the second kind of line of defense is we have some partnerships. So for instance, we work with Advent Health to fulfill bundles for an incentive for people to take a health and nutrition class. So like a diabetes prevention class the people attending that class receive a bag of produce as an incentive to keep coming to the class and hopefully they'll see a reduction in their numbers. So we actually use that as a way to move some of the excess. In addition, we have a partnership with our local food bank. We're a small business, so we are able to operate out of a 10 by 16 trailer right now. And we just flip our product every 10 days max. So anything that's not sold will actually be donated. And then the last line of defense is anything that kind of comes to us that's 
just not good quality. We work with local farms and just give it back or I compost it. When I say give it back, give it back to those who have animals, right? So then your cows and your pigs and your chickens are eating the produce that we couldn't use. Oh, I love that. Eats by chance? I have, absolutely. Yes. Okay. So we had them on a few months ago, Cameron and Ellen, and it sounds so similar because you're not wasting anything. Right. So our goal was zero food waste. And, you know, the partnership with the food bank has been awesome because we donate it Tuesday and it's distributed on Wednesday. And they have storage. And their biggest concern was they don't have a lot of fresh produce that's donated that's usable. So we made that partnership with them. And matter of fact, one of the really cool, so we talk about the Dave Matthews project and like, that's so cool. But the coolest thing that my business has been able to do to date was to find money from the USDA through the Department of Elder Affairs for a senior farmers market nutrition program. So there was funds still left. And we were able to execute $350 produce bundles that was funded through the food bank. So the week of Thanksgiving, any senior that came through the food bank, they actually received a bundle of produce. And that to me was like, hey, wait a minute. This is a huge impact. Yes, the Dave Matthews Band thing is super cool. But that was the biggest impact to date. It was like a $15,000 impact we made. And that money wouldn't have kind of gone anywhere, you know, and the grant money's not spent. You know, it might go back in for the following year, but we were able to find it, get the service. So now we can provide service for the Department of Elder Affairs and provide those produce bundles. So we're excited to execute that program again this year. That's so great because a lot of food banks just serve non-perishable foods. And when I donate, it's stuff that I maybe wouldn't want to eat. I don't want to eat everything out of a can. So to have fresh fruits and vegetables, that's really awesome. You know, when you think about, are we eating to survive? Are we eating to thrive, right? And the idea of the fresh fruits and veggies, especially with, so we do a lot of focus on seniors and then kids is how do we get this to them at a reasonable cost? And I found that sourcing local helps with that, right? Because it is more direct. There's I'm the middleman and we're not as large. So we can only buy one box at a time. We are planning on scaling. So we're hoping that we'll be able to do a much larger impact. So currently we do 14 markets a month. And our goal is to figure out how to execute a model where we four times that in a month. So we have a lot of friends that we're trying to work with to figure that out. Now, is that what you're calling Florida Food Connection? So that was the goal, yes, is the Florida Food Connection would be that source. And we had kind of thought about maybe transitioning to a nonprofit, but we got a little bit behind the schedule because as with everybody, we opened in 2019, November. So the delivery to the Dave Matthews Band was in July of 2019. And we started our markets in November of 2019 while I was still working full-time. So now we've been in the business full-time for about two years. So I really understand the logistics of it. So yeah, that's where the Florida Food Connection came through is really to be able to connect people to their food. We're actually moving very quickly on hopefully opening up a stand on our property and still being able to offer like home delivery so we can shift and focus on how do we upgrade our model so it's not just the two of us and it becomes a viable business is where we're at now. 
Yeah, you need help. I need help. (laughs) (laughs) You know, but as a small business, it's sometimes hard to know what you need help in. And now we do. So this shift will allow us to generate some revenue, still move the product um, without where where we're located is, is pretty heavily populated. So I think that we'll have great support. But it also does allow us to step back and develop a really strong operating model, um, which is our goal. Can you believe you're doing this? Like a few years ago, you were in a completely different industry. Uh, so, you know, I'll, and I, and I we say that and I had one of the best days, you know, yesterday. So I was invited to go to my daughter's elementary school as a person making a difference in the community. I actually was kicking off this unit about one person making a difference in our community. And we brought strawberries and microgreens and we talked to the kids about food and just got excited. And it just really aligned passion and purpose and reminded me my why. So when you all of a sudden have to shift your whole model, our farm is going to be a mile from that elementary school. And of 80 kids, only 15 had ever visited or had a family member that grew food. Wow. I am grateful that this is what I get to do. It's hard. It's really hard. But at the same point, there's a level of pride. You know, one of the one of the turning moments is I had a mentor who said, Nicole, what's your legacy going to be? This is why I was working at my full-time job and kind of learning this business. And he's like, well, what do you want? Like, what do you want your legacy to be? And it caused me to pause and think like what if I were to not be here tomorrow, what would I want my children to remember about me? And it wasn't working 70 hours a week at a corporate job. Um, you know, I did, did a great job there, made an impact, but it was you know, more, it just caused me to pause and step back and kind of learn what my impact in the world, but mainly in my community was going to be. And it's just such a challenge. There's a reason why not a lot of people do this. There's a reason there's a gap in it. But I definitely have some amazing people that have just said they want to help. And there's all different partnerships. Like even today, Pasco Senior Services was like, wait, you can provide food? Maybe we can get a grant for fresh food for our seniors. Could you provide the food if we got the grant? And I said, oh, yeah, we absolutely could. So there's a lot of potential and opportunity there. And it is. It's like a pinch me. This is my life. I get to... I'm on a podcast. Are you kidding me? (laughs) You've arrived. (laughs) I've arrived. It's it's very humbling. It really, really is. And it's, you know, full circle of what does impact look like in your community and what is making a difference look like? That's so powerful being recognized at your child's (laughs) school. There's nothing. Now we're just talking mom to mom because there's nothing better Uh, than setting an example for your kids. I'm like tearing up here. And and they get to see you do that. That's and so she's, powerful. So she's in fourth grade now. And I taught this in third grade and was invited back this year. And she actually stood up and taught with me. And, you know, she was the one handing out the microgreens and actually encouraging kids to eat them. And they were eating them, you know, they, they had never had them. And they're like, oh, these are great. The way she just is so proud and looks at me, I'm just like, wow. Amazing. Okay. We talked about your daughter. You sent me a picture of her. She's beautiful holding the vegetables. Um, what's her name? Her name is London 
And then I also have a 20-year-old son. He doesn't really post for many pictures. So as we were starting the business, my son and husband were who would help me like set up. And so my son did see that entrepreneur side from the time he's about 16. Um, so he's 19 now. He turns 20 in March and he actually is out on a fishing boat living his life as a first mate in Clearwater. So he's followed his passion too. I'm <laughs> very proud of How fun. What great examples London has. Okay, so what would London say to my 10-year-old daughter, Nora, who likes a very few particular vegetables? What would she say to encourage her to try something new? Or maybe what would she tell me to help Nora? Put it in a smoothie and use a banana. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's how we kind of get as much as we can in, right? Um, I think that she would tell her to not just go by the first time you try something. So we, one of the things we've learned, a lot of people grew up boiling vegetables. We don't like boiled vegetables at all. We love roasted vegetables and different spices. And London would probably tell, ask her, do you like garlic? Let's put a little bit of garlic, olive oil, and let's season these really good because you may like that. London cooks a lot in our house. And I mean, I am kind of lucky because she literally eats every fruit and vegetable and stepping back. So we toured the University of Florida's um, community garden in Dade City. And the tour guide, she's a friend of mine, but the girl who gave us the tour showed London all these purple vegetables. That night, we had purple broccoli, purple cabbage, purple eggplant, purple carrots. London chopped them all up, seasoned them, and we just roasted them all. It was like our purple dinner. And from that moment to see how engaged she was, even at five or six, I said, man, if she never went on this tour, she maybe never would have experienced all that. So how do I get more people to experience that kind of food? Great advice. Oh my gosh, Nicole, I'm so inspired. I didn't know this was going to be so inspiring, but this is great. Is there anything else you would like to add? We're a small business just trying to make an impact. And there is a significant need for more people growing food here in Florida, especially in our area in Pasco. So anything I can do to try to encourage that and make that happen. And of course, growing some for ourselves is going to be amazing. I had a mentor tell me that, Nicole, if you don't share your story, you're doing a disservice because if you can inspire one person to do something, that's it. So with that, we're kind of launching a personal brand this year. It's called Do You Be Happy? Because my last name is Doobie, right? But in order to be happy, I've learned that you actually got to do some things. Like you have to, you have to do the work to internally be happy. And like, what is true happiness? I've learned that it's very different for each person. So what makes you happy is not going to be the same thing that makes me happy and that's okay. So it's kind of the lesson that I've taken away from that is we all just got to do something different to encourage what's going to make us happy. That's amazing. I will look for you at the next Dave Matthews Band concert. I love it. Nicole Doobie is the owner of Doobie's Mobile Market. If you're looking for some veggie inspiration, you'll find lots of recipes on our website, thezestpodcast.com. I'm Dalia Cologne. I produce The Zest with Andrew Lucas. Our digital team includes Alexandria Ebron and Chandler Balcom. The Zest is a production of WUSF Public Media. Copyright 2023. Part of the NPR Network. Network.